J. Cole. I don't think it's true. I think it's... Could be true? Mm. Can you read it, please? I don't... Where? Where on are you the, looking? On... Oh, Rise of the Rapper, J. Cole. Oh. So I was right. Wow. You're never right. Mm. Except to right now and every other time ever. Mm. False. <sighs> How'd you feel after you got home on Sunday? Are we on the podcast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not well. So you lay down for like an yeah. hour, a full hour. No, a full hour of what? Nothing. Yes. Laying down. Well, I uh, sat down and I was like, maybe I'll just feel better if I sit here. And then I tried to paint my nails and it did not work out. And then I just went to bed. <laughs> Makes sense. That was at like, what, five? <laughs> No, it was like 7.30. It was still sunlight out when you left. Barely. Barely. Yeah, that means that the sun sets at like 6.30. No, it isn't. No, it is not. Let me look at my phone. <laughs> what the fuck is happening here? It totally goes to bed. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? It goes down. <laughs> the sun goes down at like 6.30. I don't think that we have the same sun, so... Okay, Google. What time is sunset? 6.03, which means you got like 20 more hours of like twilight hour before it's dark. It was daylight when he went home, which means that you left at like 5.30. Listen. What? Look. I'm looking. What, did you like text Thomas him going to bed? No. <laughs> I feel like you're got lying. an Uber. Uh-huh. And the Uber says what time I got home. Oh. And it was at 5.30? <laughs> oh, I thought it told me what time I got home. It doesn't. No, I think it just tells you what time. What day. <laughs> yeah. No, it tells you what time, doesn't it? Oh. It doesn't matter. I got home at 6.10. Oh my god, did you just say that Chris is right? Uh, I absolutely did not say that. Oh yeah, you did. No, I I, I it, it could be inferred, but I, I did I not heard, say that. I heard that, that Chris is right. I would never say that. And that, that. Spencer is wrong. I would that never say that. when it was sunlight out. It was sunlight when I let out. I did, I did not deny yeah, that. Yeah, but that wouldn't have been 7.30. <laughs> So then you I went felt... to bed at like seven. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. Everything else that you said is not true. Okay, mm-hmm. but that is. That's the one true part. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. Allow it. Oh, thank you. Well, that means you got a nice, uh, nice restful night. night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After mimosas, that was fun. I had fun, especially when Thomas the fact mimosas that all for me. you were there. I was talking about peptide bonds. Let me talk about peptide bond. Oh my god, I still. Lo- what are you? I'm still laughing about that when everyone just like, so yeah, this is what aspartame is made of, and just like one by one, every single person just like casually just like <laughs> looked out and the you window. You were the only person that was looking at me like. <laughs> I have never looked like that. You did a little bit. I looked at you like that. You look at that. You look like that right now. No, I fucking don't. <laughs> just sitting there, uh, not even paying attention. I just go, well, okay, no one's paying attention tonight. So. What did Kendall say that was so funny? Uh, that we cackled for 
don't know. He's mean spirited. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Oh, those poor people. Aww. And their reviews. <laughs> Kendall, we don't think you're mean spirited. We think that you're just mean. Yeah. You don't have a spirit. Do you have a soul? You're just mean. I don't think she has a soul. Mean leftist. Leftist mean. <laughs> walk. <laughs> walk. A walk. She loves Chinese food. Yeah. From a walk. Which I feel like she does. Does she like Chinese food? Vietnamese. She likes Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the food. Yeah, just butthole. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. In a walk. No, stop. <laughs> Pig buttholes. Walk. Walk Vietnamese Walk. Walk. Okay, anyways. Um, I don't remember what he said. That Me neither. Something. But we laughed about it. Yeah. It was quite comical. So time. you guys should all just laugh with us. <laughs> it was um drink slowly uncalled for that laugh it was a little too soon i'm still broken up about it good um you know i just don't think that that you're very sensitive no and um shallow and pedantic. you really need to think yes. about that in the future no um should we talk about spooky things <laughs> or should well, we banter more we need to banter about how we're going to do Drag Race because it just came out. Oh, yeah. So, have you watched it? I have not watched the promo yet. Wow. How many times have I told you to do it? Um, twice. More than twice. Nuh-uh. Yeah. You have not. Uh, how many in the same day? Twice. More than twice. No. I just told you twice today. You only told me we just had a conversation about it. Once. No. Last podcast. And on Sunday. Yeah, twice before this. And why are you not excited? I am excited. Usually you're like on it before me. Well, I've been sick for the past like four days, oh. first of all. Oh. And... oh, she's so sick. I'm going to shit right here on your floor. I'm going to... You you had your pancreas removed. You it should not, not be true. sick. Do not fall into these rumors. I still have a pancreas. <laughs> mm. Mm. She's well, not even debatable. a whole person anymore. Debatable. Wow. Um... Yeah, so uh, we are watching the promo, and by that I mean I will be watching the promo. So I've already seen it. Have you written notes? Because you're going to have to watch it again and write notes. No. So write notes, bitch. What do you tell me? I'll write my notes while I'm watching it the first time because I like to write down my first impressions. So, meh. Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. But that will be coming soon. Yes. Yes. And then we'll have our first impressions of our Ruby podcast. Ah! Woo! Coming out but with this actually, time it'll actually make sense because it's Drag Race and yeah. not Dragula. <laughs> yeah, we won't be doing monsters, so this time it'll actually make sense. Um, well, well, we, I mean, we probably won't make sense. Honestly, no. we normally lots of that. cackling, mostly uh, white claw openings. Yes, lots of drunkenness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. More guest stars. Ooh, I'm excited. Get some guest stars lined up. Mm-hmm. I've met more drag queens since then. Which one will you bring first? Uh, we'll probably do Rudolph first again. <laughs> She's she is uh, a good a good uh, guest. Yeah, and be like, hey, get everyone excited. We stand. <laughs> we start with that. Okay. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about some spooky stuff? Let's do it. But before that, let's get a note from our sponsor. Oh, tell me about our sponsor. So our sponsor, N Focus Group, supports organizations on their LGBTQ journey through training, consulting, and speaking. The N Focus Group team is passionate about connecting organizations and individuals to the power of LGBTQ diversity and inclusion. 
in focus group works to develop partnerships with organizations pursuing an LGBTQ inclusive workplace. www.nfocusgroup.com. That's E-N-F-O-C-U-S-G-R-O-U-P.com. Check out the NFocus Group blog and also sign up for the NFocus Group newsletter and receive your free PDF, Nine Returns on Establishing and Maintaining LGBTQ Inclusive Workplace Cultures. Wow. Wow. We stand LGBTQ diversity. And also inclusiveness in the workplace. Mm-hmm. That's why... I've- I actually enjoy having like a gay boss and gay project manager and everyone's just gay at the job. Wait, who's your gay project manager? Uh, his friend Oscar. Didn't he fire that guy and then he came back? No, that who? Oscar? No, no, that's not the not the painter. That ruined. No, that I thought one he, job. he used to have a, a project manager named Oscar. No. It's a gay person. Yes. And he's really sweet. Oh my god, those floors must be fabulous. Fabulous! There's so many gays everywhere. Gay-run business. We stand a gay. We do. We stand gays. Um, who went first last time? I think it was me, so I think it's you first. Oh my gosh, okay. So, I'm going to do the topic, Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm? Have you ever heard of this topic? Yes. Ah, damn. In what elm? Witch Elm. Yeah, but what one? Witch Elm. Uh-huh. Which, but which one? Who's on first? What? (laughs) Um, This is spelled W-Y-C-H, okay? Mm -hmm. Calm down. Um, So on April 18th of 1943, four local boys, uh, local meaning um, they were from... From that locality? They were from Worcester, England. Like the sauce? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I think it's Worcester, England. Um, Yes. So four local boys, Robert Hart, Thomas Willits... Bob Farmer and Fred Payne were poaching or bird nesting in Hagley Wood. The part fuck is of bird nesting, hanging out in I a guess, tree. I guess like taking stuff from birds' nests. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. You get fresh eggs. <laughs> I don't think that all birds' eggs are edible. Uh, I don't know. Um, part of the Hagley, uh, I'm sorry, Hagley Wood, which was part of the Hagley Estate belonging to Lord Copeham, near English names, <laughs> near the Witchbury Hill, Wh- Witchbury. <laughs> we were near the Hagley Wood, <laughs> which is part of Lord Cobham, <laughs> which is near Witchbury Hill. <laughs> when so they good. when they came across a very large witch elm, uh, thinking location to be a particularly good place to hunt birds' nests, see hunt birds' nests. So they find birds' nests and they maybe kill the birds and. Take their babies. Um, I don't know. This says bird nesting gives kids one stable home after a divorce. I think that's a different term, maybe. Okay. <laughs> so the um, Bob Farmer attempted to climb the tree to investigate. As he climbed, he glanced down into the hollow trunk and discovered a skull. At first, he believed it to be that of an animal, but after seeing human hair and teeth, he realized that he had found a human skull. As they were on the land illegally, Farmer put the skull back and all four boys returned home without mentioning their discovery to anybody. However, on returning home, the youngest of the boys, um, Thomas Willits, boys, Thomas Willits felt uneasy about what he had witnessed and decided to report 
the find to his parents. Oh. Rat it out. Um, Narc. Yeah. When the police checked the trunk of the tree, they found an almost complete skeleton with a shoe, a gold wedding ring, and some fragment, fragments of clothing. The skull was valuable evidence in that it still had some tufts of hair and had a clear dental pattern despite some missing teeth. What year? This was 1943. 1943. Wait. Yes. Okay. <laughs> wow. Both yeah. of our topics were at the same time. Is it really? Kind of. In England? We had meat pies. Oh, you said Australia. Yeah. Ah, damn. Almost, though. Ah, so close. They're um, related. Did people even live in Australia then? Just they have. Yeah. I know it was a joke. Aborigines are people, too. They're called First Nation people, okay? I know. I, so, apparently that term is uh, a slur. Oh, did you know that? I didn't no, know that. I didn't know that. Because I thought that was just the, the title. Yeah, that's apparently a slur. First I, I got yelled. Yeah, I got yelled at about it uh, when, at my last job. Because, I mean, that's what we put on our website. <laughs> and someone was like, um, you need to take that down. That's a slur. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will tell someone. <laughs> Hmm. I don't know if they ever changed it, but... I used to watch the show called Insight mm-hmm. 2020. It was an Australian show. And mm-hmm. they would be like, well, since you're Aborigine... Well, even in, I was in like, Australia, they call them Aboriginals. But um, apparently, Australia is much further behind than, like, New Zealand about recognizing their First Nations people. <laughs> oh. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't wow. know that. Anyways, that was a long tangent. <laughs> wild. Wild ride. Um... The valuable toss of hair, clear pad, oh, clear dental pattern despite, despite missing some teeth. After further investigation, the remains of a hand were found some distance from the tree. The body was sent for forensic examination by Professor James Webster. He quickly established that it was that of a female who had been dead for at least 18 months, placing the time of death in or before October 1991. I'm sorry, 19. We went in the future. 1941. 50 Webster, years passed. Yeah. We've somehow found a body from the future. So Webster also discovered a section of a taffeta. Taffeta. Yeah, sure. In her mouth, suggesting that she had died from suffocation. Uh, from the measurement of the trunk in which the body had been discovered, he also deduced that she must have been placed there still warm right after a killing as she could not have been fitted in once rigor mortis had s- set hold. Girl, I got rigor mortis. Rigor, who's Morris? <laughs> Aw, classic Alyssa and Detox. Wow. All-Stars 2, callback. <laughs> That's not a callback. We never talked about Who All-Stars said that? Was that Alyssa said rigor mortis? Yeah. Rigor Morris. If you got rid of me as Rigor Morris, girl, as Rigor Morris. We stand. Wait, who's Morris? <laughs> Anyways, um, police could tell from items found with the body that the woman, what the woman had looked like, but with so many people reported missing during the war, records were too vast for a proper identification to take place. They cross-referenced the details they had with reports of missing persons throughout the region, but none of them seemed to match the evidence. In addition, they contacted dentists all over the country since the dentistry was quite distinctive. Because apparently they were like, hey, you recognize these teeth? The dentist would be like, oh my god, that's Betsy down the, down the road. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're British, so it's like, she's got four snaggle tooths and six of them are gold. <laughs> You're terrible. So... It's so. probably um, Bella. <laughs> well, in 19... So they couldn't really determine anything uh, at that time. So in 1944, a graffiti message related to the mystery appeared on the wall in Upper Dean Street, Birmingham, reading, 
Who put Bella down the witch elm? Hagglywood. We love Hagglywoods. Yeah. These, uh, this led investigators down, a, down several new leads tracing who Bella could have been. Other messages in the same hand appeared too. Since at least the 1970s, the graffiti has sporadically appeared on the Hagley obelisk near to where the women's, woman's body was discovered, which asks the slightly modified who put Bella in the witch, like W-I-T-C-H, elm instead. Um, I don't know why. There's a difference there. Um, so. The first one was a horrible speller. Probably. It's not even Hagleywood. It's Haggledwood. Haggled. Uh, hug, 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 hug. Yep. How put her in the witch elm in the Hagler wood? <laughs> uh, what did you say? Just write down what you said. <laughs> um, so basically, that's still a mystery. Um, that's just out there. But we have theories. So I want to hear your theories before we get into it. I because I already had a theory before I like read further, and I was like, "Ooh, damn. just think it was a murder girl." And they just threw her in a tree randomly in the woods. Yeah. Who, who do you think it was? Do you think they were related to the person who owned the farm? Or is it just someone that was out there? Um, no, I think it was just somebody that was out there. Mm. See, my first thought was witches. Oh, no. Because I was like, okay, you found an elm tree that was also a witch elm. So that's, you know, quite, quite related, in my opinion. Um, maybe but, witch elms just have big holes in them. Maybe. But, like, why put them in a tree? Why not, like, try and burn the body or, you know, something like that? Just stick them in a tree and be like, oh, there you go. Because the tree will grow around them. Who's going to... When does when, when somebody the tree was dead. Him? It was hollow. Well, yeah, even more sense. Who's going to cut down a dead tree? Everyone. On a farm? I don't fucking know. I'm not British. <laughs> they barely... They're like, we don't have... Enough trees. My, we're not going to cut down. My no parents' property that's out in the middle of nowhere in um, outside of New Berlin, um, they would cut down dead trees because they're dead. They'd yeah, come out of falling really hazard. Well, yeah, but this yeah. one is not an actual tall tree. It's just like a stump, really, isn't it? I don't know. He was able to climb his, uh, climb on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a stump. I thought it was the witches. Mm. Anyways, let's go ahead and read some. Do you believe uh, in witches? Yes. I have friends that are witches. Funny you should say that. Come on down. Uh, Gertrude? Oh, is that a witch? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not witches in the aspect that they fly in brooms. Just people that do crystal shit? Maybe. Maybe it's enough to be a witch, okay? You can do rituals. Mm -hmm. Sam Weller, come down to this uh, tree. We're going to do a spell. Like that? Yes. And then they're just like... Ritual sacrifices? Pagans? A fucking kettle. Fe- with a, a newt's eye? It's a cauldron, not a kettle. It's a kettle. It's a cauldron. Mm. Anyways, so let's get into the theories. So, in a Radio 4 program, with an E, um, first... Still program. <laughs> yeah, I know. The first broadcast... Program. <laughs> in a... <laughs> Radio 4 program first broadcast in August of 2014, Steve Punt, who is a British writer and comedian, suggested two possible victims. One victim was reported to the police in 1944 by a Birmingham prostitute in the report. She stated that another prostitute called Bella, who worked on on the Hagley Road, had disappeared about three years previously. 
I know it's the 40s, but I still picture it like England in like the 1800s, and she's got like a big ass skirt, and she's just kind of hanging out on the road. <laughs> she just drops it like. Does a anyone want to see my elbow? She's like, "This is all you're going to get for free, just a wrist, just a wrist." Mm. And the man's like, "She takes her glove oh, off." <laughs> He's like, "Oh, uh, I don't need your services." That anymore. makes me want to put a sheet on top of you <laughs> and just go to town. Go to town <laughs> on nothing. Your dress. On your dress, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yuckies. Um. The other one was the name Bella or Lou Bella suggested the graffiti artist was probably aware of the identity of the victim or uh, victim or of the killer. So the person who was like, this is Bella, is like, okay, do you know that it's Bella? So how do you know that it was Bella? Were you the killer? Did you know the killer? Did you know Bella when she died? Why don't I mean, you Bella could just be like, Bella is a name for beautiful. They could be Italian. In a small town in England? Maybe. Who knows? The EU. I mean, come on. It was World War II when Italians were at war with England, you know? They just murdered somebody and were like, I know it's a war, but I don't want them to know. I'm just going to put her in this tree. I'm just going to write it on the the tower a year later. Yep. That's fine. A year after she was found. A year after. No, that's when he got ballsy and he was just like, "Ah, I fooled you, English people. Because they... Discovered her in 1943, which is about almost two years after she was supposedly killed. So then they wrote that in 1944. So this is like three, at least three years after she was dead that they went up there and wrote, who killed Bella? Who, who put Bella in the witch tree? Well, they were like, he was like, I don't want them to think it's me. So I better be the first one to ask. <laughs> what happened it? to who her? <laughs> oh my God. No so the second possible theory came up from a statement made to police in 1953 by Una Mossop, in which I don't know who that is. Um, in which she Sounds said Polish. She was English. Una British. I guess so. I don't know. U N A. Yeah. No. Which okay, she lives in England. Okay. okay. Um, which she said that her ex-husband, Jack Mossop, had confessed to family members that he and a Dutchman called Van Ralt had put the woman in the tree. Mossop and Van Ralt met for a drink at the Littenton Arms, a pub in Hagley. That's probably lit. I hate you. Littenton? Littentown? <laughs> lit in town. Mm-hmm. Oh. No, it's... it's ugh, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Later that night, Mossop said that the woman became drunk and passed out while they were driving. Uh, the men then put her in a hollow tree in the woods in the hope that in the morning she would wake up and be frightened of seeing the error of her ways. Don't get wasted drunk in the bar. We'll just put you in this tree. D- but you okay. have to like break her legs to put her in the tree. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, so Jack Mossop was confined to a Stafford mental hospital because he had recurring dreams of a woman staring out of him from a tree. He died in the hospital hospital before the body in the witch elm was found. The likelihood of this being the correct explanation is questionable because Una Mossop did not come forward with this information until more than 10 years after Jack Mossop's death. Um, also, it isn't likely because why did they cut off her hand? Why was that in, a, in another location? Or was it someone else's hand? No, they were like, you can't drink anymore, love. You and then cut they off cut your her fucking hand. hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, okay, if you guys were just saying that, they're like, oh, we just put this drunk girl in the tree. What the fuck did you do to her hand? Why'd you cut it off? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not, not a huge fan of that theory because it's wrong. 
Um, another theory comes from the MI5 declassified file of Yosef Jacobs, the last man to be put to death in the Tower of London on the 15th of August, 1941. He was an Abwehr agent, which is like the German, or it was like the Nazi um, spy spies, essentially, yeah. Um, he parachuted into Cambridgeshire in 1941, but broke his ankle when he landed uh, and was soon arrested by the Home Guard. On his person was found a photo purportedly of his lover, a German cabaret singer and actress named Clara Bowerly. Um, Jakob said that she was being trained by the spy um, and that, where did I go? Train, oh yeah, trained as, <laughs> I lost my spot. I was like looking ahead, like, what am I saying next? Um, trained as a spy and that he had made contact with her. No. What is happening? What did I type? Jakob said that she was being trained as a spy and that he had made contact. She might have been sent over to England after him. That doesn't make any sense. Um, however, there's no evidence that Clara Bowerly um, had parachuted into England. And uh, several witnesses described that uh, Clara was around six feet tall while, while Bella was five feet tall. What is happening to me? Um, in September of 2016, it was determined that Clara Bowerly had died in Berlin on the 16th of December in 1942. So... Not the same thing. Um, in 1941, I'm sorry, 1945, Margaret Murray, an anthropologist and archaeologist from the U University College of London, proposed a more radical theory. Witchcraft. Oh? Where the severed hand was consistent with a ritual called the Hand of Glory after Bella had been killed by gypsies during an occult ritual. Oh, we love gypsies. Yeah. Her ideas... Uh, excited the local press and led investigators investigators to consult other seemingly ritualistic uh, killing of Charles Walton in a nearby Lower Quinton, um, which is a whole big story in itself that I might have to do next. Because I was like, oh, this would be an easy thing. Like, oh, I think it was witchcraft. No, that goes on and, like, everyone was interrogated and other people died and it's a whole thing. So I'm like, okay, well, that's going to have to be a, another story. Um, but they think that these could have possibly con been connected um, in some way because like I mean just the story of Charles was like he was pinned down and there was like a huge cross that was like carved in his chest and like pinned down with a pitchfork through his neck on the ground um, and had like a, a cross carved out with a like a hook for hedging bushes um, and yeah his body was like maimed. Well, hand of glory is basically the drying and pickling of a hand of a person who was hanged um, also, if the wax is made from the fat of the person as well, uh, <laughs> I wrote ass well. <laughs> I love that. Me too. Um, especially when I actually send that to customers. <laughs> Ow. It was made from the fat. If it's ma made from the fat of the person as well, it's supposed to render people motionless when, when it's presented. So if I'm suddenly just like, here's this pickled hand. And it's like made out of like the wax parts are made out of their fat as well. You're supposed to be like, what? And you can't move. Out of anyone's fat? If the, no, or the, the person, person you have to use the person's hand. Use the fat from the person's hand that you cut off and killed. On, the, on anybody. Well, I mean, if I want to render you motionless, yeah. Wow. But I mean, typically in history, so this was also used like historically in like the seventeen hundred well, medieval times as well. Um, that they would hang people at the gallows and cut off their hand. Normally, their left hand. And they'd just be like, we got your hand, bitch. 
<laughs> Look at this. <laughs> and normally it was like that's how I it got supposed to mean like oh the person who like did the bad deed or whatever like the hand cut cut off the hand that um, did the bad deed or something. Uh, yeah, it was interesting to read that. Um, in 1953, another theory surfaced, namely that Bella was a Dutch woman named Clarabella Dronkers, killed by a German spy ring consisting of a British officer, a Dutchman, and a music hall artist for knowing too much. Available records and evidence were unable to support this theory. So basically, we got a bunch of theories that are just like, hmm, maybe this is what happened. We have no idea who the fuck it is. So I found it interesting because I really liked the idea that it was witchcraft. Because that's what immediately when I was like, okay, her hand's not in the right spot and she was just dumped in a tree and her valuables weren't taken either. Uh, it was witches. Witchcraft. The occult. Um, but you don't like that idea? I think it's more likely that she was just killed. And she was just dumped there? Somebody was just like... What? Oh, I've got this hand. What am I going to do? What do I do with I this hand? I don't actually want this at all. And then they threw just, it. I don't think so. Because what... Well, I can't ask why because we've researched things like Jeffrey Dahmer and the Candyman. Like, you can't ask why because they're just fucking crazy. They just crazy. do it. They're fucking crazy. Fucking nuts. Yes. I fucking love it. Wait, was that spoopy? Did you like that? Yeah. That's good. That's a really big mystery. That's like the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Like Black Dahlia it. and the Witch Elm are like very similar, yeah. I feel. Uh, except the Black Dahlia, I feel, is much more gruesome. Yes. Just because we just had a half of a body... Strung with on the a street. smile carved into, into her, her face. face. Yeah. Yikes. I'm going to have to give that one a hard pass. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to avoid that one. Um, so tell me about your spoopy stuff. Oh, wow. You were quick. What? What else you want to talk about? Nothing. Oh. You don't I thought you had more theories. Show? No, that was it. It was three pages. Wow. I was talking for quite a while. While? While. Wow. Um, I have something spoopy, too. Oh, my God. I, you know how much I love spoopy stuff. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't have made this podcast if it wasn't for that. I mean, I mean you it would have been I, about thing... coupons or something instead. Yeah, true. Um, you want to know one thing that I have always found, like, super spoopy that, like, especially researching this podcast has always made my skin crawl? What? Cannibals. I cannot. I like, that's a am cannibal. cannibal. Cat nipple, cat nipple. I'll eat you up. Yeah. Wow. Uh huh. Uh, no, I was just saying that like those are the topics that really freaked me out. And so like yesterday, or, I'm sorry, yesterday, last week's topic, I was planning on doing like this Russian cannibal lady, um, like who's apparently very recent. But the problem is that there, uh, a lot of the information has not been released. So we love that. Yeah, because it, she's still under trial. So I how like, many people she meet? She eat? Uh, so reportedly eleven. Wow. But it could be up to fourteen. So I was thinking about doing that one, but uh, there's not that. enough information. To, it's uh, Katya. Tamara. Tamara? Like, that's not a very Fucking Russian, Russian Her last name. name is really Russian, but... Ogilgoskovsky. Uh, yeah. Yep. Love that. Very much that. So I'm trying to work on that one, but I don't have much information. Well, maybe something will come up. Oh my god. Maybe you could get an interview and she'll eat you. Yeah. Her interviews are really creepy. She's a weirdo. She's crazy. Pretty certain that she's got schizophrenia, too. Anyways, um, your turn. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Economy Works. Oh. Uh, a freelance talent network that connects professionals with project work. Uh-huh. If you're a company that needs help writing job descriptions, conducting market analysis, managing your social media platforms, 
Economy Works has an extensive talent network of freelance professionals ready to help you do more with less. Excellent. Economy Works. When we work, the economy, economy works. works. Find out more at economyworks.com. That's E C O N O M I W O R K S.com. Excellent. So I'm going to talk about something spoopy. Oh boy. It's from a similar country. Is it 11 pages? How many pages do you got? Uh, six. Okay. Wow. You went short this week. You know, there's <laughs> a whole not a lot of information out there. Oh, okay. It's just, you know. Can you hear my jacket crinkling? Yeah. Is it annoying? Uh-huh. That's fine. Well. It's cold in here. So. No, it fucking isn't. Oh. I've been cold. Okay. Okay, Google. What's the temperature inside? She has no idea. It's seven degrees. Wow. Inside your house. Seven degrees that Fahrenheit. That is cold in here. It's not Fahrenheit. Oh. But still. But still, it's cold. <laughs> I'm comfortable. <clears throat> so, I'm uncomfortable. I'm always uncomfortable. I'm going to talk about the Tamam Shud mystery. Uh-huh. So it's one of the greatest mysteries in Australian history. What made you decide, oh, I'm going to do something from Australia? Why? Tamam shoot. It's listening to you. Oh, okay. Stop listening, please. I don't know how or why it was doing. Our thing was mysteries. Do we have a theme this month? Yeah, mysteries. I guess that's our theme. You, you did a mystery? I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, I did That'll a mystery. But what? I did a mystery just because it was mysterious. Did I do a mystery last week? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because I found it and I'm like, oh, this seems easy to do because I did it in less than an hour today. Because <laughs> I'm always prepared for this podcast. I'm not like Kendall. <laughs> she writes... She's gotten better. She writes her stuff. <laughs> I know. It's just, I'm now. making a joke about their About reviews. Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> you oh. should go write a review She's for them. She's mean It'd be helpful. Don't talk about her. Okay. Um, so, what? <laughs> Someone's scratching on the door. There's no dogs in here. <laughs> it's Bella. Oh, gosh. Um, so, okay. So, close your eyes. Okay. Now imagine. Close! Mm-hmm. You're taking an s- evening stroll along the beach. Uh-huh. It's about 7 p.m. I'm imagining Galveston. And you're in Australia. You're Australian. Oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, the beaches are beautiful. Love it. The oh, breeze the is just blowing beach. through your hair. Ooh. You've had 14 pints of Fosters. What is that? Beer. Oh. Australian beer. Okay. Uh, you've assaulted four people. I don't like beer. Because of the, the rugby match today. I just assaulted them? Uh-huh. Okay. Other Australian stereotypes. Okay. How do you feel? Uh, great. Murdered. Ah, dead. Ah, let me tell you. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just do you kidding. feel murdered? <laughs> so there's this guy. How does one feel murdered? Murdered. <laughs> no, the proper tr- pronunciation is murdered. Murdered. What you do don't move like? your face your face from the last syllable, so it's murdered. Murdered. Exactly. Okay. So, <laughs> there's this guy. His name is John Bain Lyons, which is... Everybody in this has three names. Um, he and his wife go out walking on Somerton Beach, a seaside resort near Adelaide. They walk toward a place called Glenelg, 
which I hope I said right. It's an anagram or not an anagram. What's the word that's the same backwards and forwards? Uh, palindrome. Palindrome. G-L-E-N-E-L-G. Hmm. Glenelg. Glenelg. Maybe. Sure. Um, along the way, they see a man laying in the sand on the beach, propped up on the seawall with his head on the seawall and his legs and arms resting outstretched. As they watch him, he makes a shitty attempt of smoking a cigarette. So he's like, <laughs> here's a cigarette. He's like really drunk. Because um, he just had 14 pints of beer. Yeah. That's a lot of beer. Well, that's, he didn't actually do that. Oh. That was my, I was, I was late. I was setting the scene. How did you know what Foster's was? Did you Google like no, Australian beers? Because I knew that. Everybody knows that. I don't know that. Thomas, do you know that? Thomas knew that. I don't know what, I don't drink beer. Ask Tony. I'm sure he'd know because he knows yeah. everything about every fucking beer on the planet. Exactly. So. Um, the beer snob. Oh, I don't like going to Eagle because they don't have the beers that are like. Uh, they have White Claw, <laughs> so shut the fuck up. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tony. Get in, loser. You. We're going shopping. Yeah. Okay, so they pass him by. They're like, oh, he's drunk. Um, half an hour later, another cap- couple passes by. This time they're on top of the seawall looking down. The person is? This couple, yeah. They're looking at that same man. Oh. Um, so the girlfriend notices that he's wearing a suit and his shoes are well polished. They're both like, I put, okay, my Australian accent. Here oh, God. Go. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is my time to shine. Moment of di- moment of truth. Why is he wearing that? <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. Uh, so they figured he was asleep and he had gotten drunk and passed out there. But there was a cloud of mosquitoes around his face. So the boyfriend said, <clears throat> he must be dead to the world to not notice them. <laughs> um, so yeah. So he's got a bunch of mosquitoes around his face and they're like, wow, he's just, he is and really asleep. And they can see asleep. that up from the seawall? Yeah. Okay. Wasn't he just on the seawall, spread out? He's laying on it. Like, mm-hmm. his head is on it. Mm-hmm. Seawalls are, you know, like the Galveston one. Yeah. The big one. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's on the beach, laying oh, okay. on the wall. See, I thought, like, he was, like, on... Because Galveston has, like, an, a physical wall as well. Like, the concrete, like... Yeah, the concrete on the beach. That's the part that he's laying on. But, like, laying up against. Yeah. Okay. And then they passed up by on top of it. Um, so... It would not be until the following day that the man was actually reported dead. <gasps> Gasp. John Lyons was returning from a morning swim to notice a crowd surrounding the location that they had witnessed the man the night before. He felt the body, and it was cold. With the cigarette they had witnessed him witnessed him uh, trying to, to smoke, half burned out on his collar as if it had fallen from his mouth. So the, bottle, the body was transported to the royal shit. Wait, what year is this again? This is 47. 1947. Oh, wow. I pressed a button and now everything's ruined. It's all gone. Uh, You don't have a report anymore. There we go. Um, So the receiving doctor placed his time of death at around 2 a.m. So, and suspected the cause of death to be a heart failure. So when John Lyons and the couple saw him the night before, he was still alive. At first. Yeah, he died in the middle of the night. Yeah. They passed by him at like 7, 7.30. When the mosquitoes were flying around his face? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the Dr. John Barkley Bennett did note that he suspected poisoning. Mm. The possessions that he had on him were two tickets from Adelaide to the beach, a pack of chewing gum, some matches, 
two combs, and a pack of Army Club cigarettes, containing seven cigarettes of another, more expensive brand of cigarettes called Kensitas. Mm-hmm. So he took these cigarettes and put them in a different pack. Mm-hmm. Um, he because they were expensive and they wa- he didn't want to get mugged? Who mugs for cigarettes? Plenty of people. I'm going to stab you unless you give me a cigarette. Maybe. You don't know. Sir. Maybe if they're are, that expensive. You, you know? are doing way too much. Um, so <laughs> Please bring it down. <laughs> how about some money? Yeah. Would you like that Would instead? You, I, I got plenty. Just take that. Uh, he has no wallet, no cash, no IDs. Mm-hmm. As well as his clothing had been stripped of any identifying markers. All of the tags are clipped out. Okay. And uh, as well, he has a small tear in his pants pocket that has been uh, repaired with a strange orange thread. Hmm. So nothing on him is identifying. Uh, By the time the autopsy was finished a day later, uh, the police had ran through all their best leads of the man's identity, and the results of the postmortem did little to clear anything up for them. It was revealed that the corpse's pupils were smaller than normal and unusual. I don't, I don't trust that because if his eyes were closed while he was dead or something like that, they haven't been letting any light in. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, it's it was the also 40s. it could have been dark while he died. So then his eyes. I mean, you're, I don't know how much your eyes function after you're dead. I assume not much. Or he could have been poisoned, and they just had been dilated. You said smaller. They can dilate. To, aren't you? Don't they get really small when you're on like acid or something? I don't know, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, so he had a bit of dribble that was running down the side of his mouth as he lay, and he was probably unable to swallow it. Meanwhile, his spleen was. St- <clears throat> I don't even know how to do that in Australian. Spleen? Strikingly large and thin. About three times the normal size. No, that wasn't good. No, no. no. I'm going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to just move on to a different voice. Uh, well. <laughs> uh, and the liver was distended and congested with blood. Ooh. His so last... His organs were failing. Some of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His last meal had not fully digested, and it was noted to be a meat pie. Oh, my gosh. Is that why we had meat pie tonight? meat pies. that I mean you and Thomas had meat pie? Uh Uh-huh. I poisoned it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like blue. Oh, gosh. Um, So, as well as a significant amount of blood in his stomach, which led to further suspicions of poisoning, although the meat pie was not thought to be poisoned. They tested the actual pie they found in his stomach, and it wasn't, wasn't poisoned. Mm-hmm. There's something um, else that he had. Yeah. Although, There's cigarettes. What? Oh, my God. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, so, although further testing of the man's blood and organs failed to produce any traces of poison, other oddities noticed by the police and the morticians were that the man was had a very well-pronounced calf muscles and his toes were formed into a wedge shape. One inquest expert noted, I have not seen the tendency of calf muscles so pronounced as in this case. His feet were rather striking, suggesting this is my own assumption that he had been in the habit of wearing high-heeled and pointed shoes. So he was a cross-dresser. Oh! Ooh, maybe. I love that. He had pronounced calf muscles and wedge toes. Interesting. 
Uh, Thomas Cleland, the coroner, could not find the proper cause of death. His own, the only p- practical reasoning he was led to believe by Sir Cedric Stanton Hicks was that a very rare poison had been used, one that decomposed very early after death, le- leaving no trace. Hmm. The only poisons capable of, capable of this were so dangerous and deadly that Hicks would not say their names aloud in court. Instead, he passed Cleland a scrap of paper on which he had written the names of two possible candidates, Digitalis and Strophanthin. Hicks suspe- suspected the latter. Strophanthin is a rare glucoside derived from the seeds of some African plants. Historically, it was used by little-known Somali pirates. Uh, Did you Google this? Because now the FBI is following you. <laughs> no. It was all in the article. Uh, it was used by little-known Somali uh, pirates to poison arrows. Uh, a full set of print fingerprints were taken and circulated through Australia, and then the e- English-speaking world. Uh, no one could identify them. People from all over Adelaide were escorted to the mortuary in hopes that they could give the corpse a name. Some of them thought that they knew the man from photos published in newspapers. Others were just distraught relatives of missing persons. Not one recognized the body. Interesting. January 11th, the South Australia police had investigated and dismissed pretty much every lead that they had had. The investigation was now widened in, a t- in an attempt to locate any abandoned personal possessions, perhaps left luggage that might suggest that the man had come from out of state. This meant they checked all the hotels, dry cleaners, lost and founds, and train stations for miles. But it did produce results. It did? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh... On the 12th, detectives sent to the main railway station in Adelaide were shown a brown suitcase that had been deposited into clo- the cloakroom there on november 30th so when did they find him they found him uh january january early january wait so this is november of the same year so later prior year okay yeah um the staff didn't remember who left the case and its contents were not very revealing the suitcase did contain the same orange thread that was used to repair his pants uh, but apart from that, there were no identifying pieces uh, in the case to connect it to anyone. Oh. The bag had no stickers or routing tags. Mm-hmm. The, bl- the brand label had been torn off. Um, and the tags were missing from all but three items of clothing inside. And they bore the name Keen or T. Keen, both spelled differently. Key, uh, K-E-A-N or K-E-A-N-E. The police didn't find anyone matching that name. They suspected that someone had purposely left them on, knowing that the dead man's name was on. Well, dead, dead man's name was not Keen or Keen with an E. Mm-hmm. There was a stencil kit of the sort used by the third third officer of merchant ships responsible for the stencil, stenciling of cargo. I don't know what the fuck stenciling cargo is. <laughs> um, it's probably labeling it. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, there was a table knife that the handle was cut down. So a handle knife, a, a knife with a tiny handle. A coat stitched using pattern stitch, unknown in Australia. A tailor identified stitchwork as American in origin, suggesting that the coat and perhaps its wearer had traveled during the war years. But searches of shipping and information, immigration records from across the country again produced no leads. The police had brought in another expert, John Cleland, not the same person as before, <laughs> uh, emeritus professor of pathology at the University of Adelaide, 
to re-examine the corpse and the dead man's possessions. In April, four months after the discovery of the body, Cleland's search produced a final piece of evidence. Oh. One that would prove to be the most baffling of all. Baffling, yes. Mm-hmm. Precisely. <laughs> uh, Cleland discovered a small pocket sewn into the waistband of the dead man's pants. Previous examiners had missed it, and several accounts of the case have referred to it as a secret pocket. Mm. But it seems to have been intended to hold a fob watch, or a pocket watch. Mm-hmm. Inside, uh, tightly rolled, was a small scrap of paper, which opened up. On it were written two words, typeset in an elaborate printed script. The phrase read, Tamam Shud. Frank Kennedy, the police reporter for the Adelaide Advise Advertiser, recognized the words as Persian, telephoned the police to suggest that they obtain a copy of the book of poetry, The Rubiat of Omar Khayyam. This work, written in the 12th century, had become popular in Australia during the war years in a much-loved translation by Edward Fitzgerald. It existed in numerous editions, but the usual intricate police inquiries to libraries, publishers, and bookshops failed to find one that matched the fancy type. Hold on. Oh, gosh. Don't you sneeze on this podcast. I have coronavirus. Yeah. Um, You're going to get it when you go to San Francisco. No. You see? Lysol. Uh, Hand sanitizer? I'm winning. Yeah. You need more Lysol. I know. And I'm going to get the face masks. I know. I need to get the wipes. Oh, my God. You should get the face masks to scare everyone in the airport. I'm going to do it, and Thomas said he won't wear any. (laughs) So I'm not getting coronavirus. Yeah. Um, You're ridiculous. Whatever. <laughs> you want to get an epidemic? Yeah. I'll get coronavirus and give it to you. Yeah, but the people who keep dying are kids and elderly people. Are you either of this? Yeah, you're an elderly woman. Okay. No, man. Well, you have pancreatitis, so you're going to die before then. Well, you, I'm not dying of coronavirus, am I? What if you had both? The, bitch, I don't. <laughs> well, you will. Um. So. <laughs> Anyways. It was possible, however, to say the words Tamam should or Taman should as several newspapers misprinted it and making a perpetual mistake ever since, uh, did come from the Kayam's romantic reflections on his life and mortality. They were, in fact, the last words in most English translations. Not surprisingly, because the phrase means it is ended. Mm. So he would end all of his poems with this. Uh, well, I already have a theory before this, but uh, we'll wait. Mm-hmm. Girl. Um, the new clue suggested that the death might be a case of suicide. Mm-hmm. In fact, the South Australia police never did turn in their missing persons inquiry to uh, turn this into a full-blown investigation of murder. Uh, but the discovery took them no closer to identifying the dead man. And in the meantime, his body had begun to decompose. Ew, yuck. So uh, they buried him. But they knew that they were going to get rid of a lot of the evidence, so they embalmed him, and they took a cast of his head and his body, um, and then they buried him under uh, a lot of concrete, so that if they had to bring it up again, they could just... Excuse me. Hello? It's just going to crack up. Um, hello. You can come up now. It's time um, to rise again. Time for school. <laughs> um, so... As late as 1978, flowers were often found at odd intervals on the grave, and no one could find out who placed them there or why. Wait, so they, this grave was open to public? People can come just drop off flowers? Yeah, we can do? go right now. Why? 
Mm-hmm. People, I might be going back to Australia this year. Go there. <laughs> Adelaide's like in the south part oh. of the country, maybe. Yeah, I want you to go there, and I want you to cry. I want you to wear a black veil, a wig. You also want me to wear not waterproof uh, eyeliner so that you can tell if I've been crying. Yes. Okay. <laughs> not just eyeliner. Mascara. Mascara. Yeah. Blush, for whatever reason. Yeah. Wanted to just None of it waterproof. Don't yeah. use setting spray, no. just... I'll just like rush contacts. Yeah, that make it look like your eyes are really red. My eyes are always red. I'm always tired. Okay, what else? <laughs> um, no, that's good. Okay, just that's, that. That's a good amount. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in July, fully eight months after the investigation had begun, the search for the right Rubiat produced results. On the, the, the what? The right Rubiat? They were looking for the book that. This passage had been cut oh, out. Oh, okay. On the 23rd, a Glenelg man walked into a detective office in Adelaide with a copy of the book and a strange story. Mm. Early previous December was just uh, just after the discovery of the unknown body. I said January was when he was discovered. He was discovered in December. Um, just after the discovery of the body, uh, he had gone for a drive with his brother-in-law in the car he kept parked a few hundred yards from Somerton Beach. The brother-in-law had found the copy of the Rubiat laying on the floor by the rear seats. Each man had silently assumed it had belonged to the other. And the, the book had sat in the glove department compartment ever since. So someone put a random book in their car. Yeah. What the fuck? And who's going to be like, oh, there's a book in here. Must be my brother. Reading Persian poetry, well, as he always thing, does. Depending on if it's messy, like Savannah's car. <laughs> um, uh, be like, she, what I, is this? I wouldn't even question it in, in her car, but if it was in like a nice clean car and there was just a random book in there, I'd be like, what is this? <laughs> I mean, I would still ask. I don't touch anything in her car. <laughs> Do you need Lysol wipes? Probably. <laughs> uh, Love you, Savannah. <laughs> so they had found it. Um... They had been alerted by a newspaper article saying they were looking for this book. Uh, they found, they flipped to the back page, it was torn out, and Kayan's final words had been cut out. Oh my gosh. So they were like, uh, oh, we better go to the police. Yeah. So then they did. Uh, Detective Sergeant Lionel Lean took a closer look at the book. Almost at once, he found a telephone number penciled on the rear cover using a magnifying glass. So it was tiny. Clues. Mm-hmm. Mm. He dimly made out the faint impression of some letters written in capitals underneath. Here at last was the solid clue. The phone number was unlisted, but it proved uh, to belong to a young nurse who lived near Somerton Beach. Unlike the, uh, like the two Glenelg men, she had never been publicly identified. The South Australia police of 1949 were unwilling or were willing to protect witnesses that were too embarrassed to be linked to the case. She is now known only by her nickname, Justin. Justin? J-E-S-T-Y-N. Justin. What kind of fucking name is that? Oh, it's just a random girl. Let's give her a name. Justin. Brixton. <laughs> hey, that sounds like white people nowadays. <laughs> so does fucking Justin. <laughs> Jalessica. Jalessica. Uh, reluctantly, it seemed, perhaps she was living with a man who was not her husband. Ooh, Ooh scandal. Uh, the she nurse admitted... Shh. No. No. Sorry, I'm not saying any theories. Um, 
I don't think that has anything to do with it. Okay. <laughs> the nurse admitted that she had indeed presented a copy of the Rubiat to a man she had known during the war. She gave the detectives his name, Alfred Boxall. At last, the police felt confident that they had solved the mystery. Boxall was the unknown man. Within days, they traced his home to Marubra, New South Wales. The problem was that Boxall turned out to still be alive. Oh, so you got the wrong person. Yep. Wow, well, we solved it. We, we got, got it. Uh, here it the is. The guy's right there. He's you're, um, you're also dead. You're dead. Why are you here? Uh, so we're just going to correct this. Just <laughs> You're out. Um, so they found the copy of the Rubiat that Justin had given him, and it bore the nurse's inscriptions, but it was completely intact. There was so no the, missing page. The phone number that they the other people had on that book happened to still be hers anyway. Did she have two copies? Hey. Um, so the scrap of paper hidden in the dead man's pocket must have come from, from some other book. Uh, it may have helped if the South Australia police had been able to question Justin, but it was clear that they did not. Uh, the gentle probing that the nurse received did yield some intriguing bits of information. Interviewed again, she recalled that sometime in the previous year, she could not be certain of the date, she had come home to be told by neighbors that an unknown man had called and asked for her. Oh. Uh, and confronted wait, with... Wait, why did her neighbors know that? Oh, like they called the neighbors? Or they called her and they answered the phone? No, the neighbors told her, Justin, this, and then Justin is being interviewed by the police. No, she told this the, up. Yeah, but who... The, you said the neighbors... Told her that someone called for her. Called for her like, hello, Justin. On the phone. No. Or maybe, maybe they have party lines. We should have a party line. Everyone rings. Who is this? Uh, or I'm looking for Justin. No, Justin. Sorry, not Justin. No, that's the neighbor. <laughs> Hold on, keep ringing. Oh fuck. Oh fucking love it. <laughs> Um, it's mathematics love. Mathematics love. Uh, so she was confronted with the dead man's face. She seemed completely taken aback to the point of giving the appearance that she was about to faint. And Lean said she did recognize the man, yet she firmly def- denied that she it was anyone that she knew. She recognized his face, but I don't know him. No. I, yeah, I've seen his face before. I don't know him. No, this is what the detective thinks. Oh. Um, okay. So. Oh, stop. Okay, we're good. That left the faint impression Sergeant Lean had noticed in the Glenelg Rubiat. Uh, Examined under a ultraviolet light, five lines of jumbled letters can be seen, the second of which had been crossed out. The first three were separated from the last two by a pair of straight lines with an X written all over them. It seemed to be a code. What the fuck? Yep. Breaking a code from only a small fragment of text is exceedingly difficult, but the police did their best. They sent the message to uh, the Navy, who were supposed to be the finest at breaking codes, um, and they also published it. Um, the this all a whole lot of people were like, "I can solve it. This is what it says," but nobody solved it. So the Navy concluded that the message appeared unbreakable. They said, "Quote." <clears throat> from the manner in which the lines have been represented. Now, this is not I working. Mean, no, it's not working. Uh, okay. I was happy that you were trying, you know? Um, I'm going to go you. for Shrill Woman, then. No. As <laughs> being set no. out in the original. No one can understand you. As <laughs> being set out in the original, it is uh, evident that at the end of each line indicates a break in sense. 
There is this insufficient number of letters for definite conclusions to be based on analysis, but the indications together with the acceptance of the above breaks in sense indicate, insofar as can be seen, they are not what they the are fuck? not speakers. Um, okay, but the indications together, which with the acceptance of acceptance of the above breaks in sense indicate that letters do not constitute any uh, any kind of simple cipher or code. I don't know why. So basically why. they said that we couldn't figure anything out. Uh, no, yeah. No. 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 <laughs> uh, the frequency of the occurrence of letters, whilst inconclusive, corresponds more favorably with the table of frequencies of initial letters of words in English than with any other table. So they're saying the code is definitely English. According to a reasonable explanation would be that the lines are the initial letters of words to a verse of poetry or the like. So they think that the code is English and each each letter is a whole word, but they don't give you any clue as to what the word is. Oh, interesting. You're just supposed to know. Yeah. Um, and there to all... So in- it's, it's supposed to be an anagram. Is that a thing? No. It's full sentences. But each word, they only take the first letter of it and put it yeah, in the code. Yeah, so it's kind of like LMAO or ROFL. Is yeah, it, isn't an abbreviation. Anagram? Abbreviation, there you go. That's what I was looking for. Okay. No, yeah. Okay, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the police never cracked the code, um, and they never identified the man. Justin died a few years ago without ever revealing what she knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the coroner published the final results in his investigation in 1958, he reported, uh, his report concluded with the admission, I am unable to say who the deceased was. I am unable to say how he died or what the cause of death was. So 60 years later, he was like, No, fine, I'm giving no, up. he said that right after. Oh, okay. Just, Justin died a couple of years okay, ago. Okay, In recent years, though, the Tamam Shoot case has begun to attract new attention. Oh, God. Amateur sleuths have probed at the loose left ends by the police, solving one or two minor mysteries, but often creating new ones in their stead. And especially two persistent investigators, retired Australian policeman Gary Feltis, or maybe Jerry. G-E-R-R-Y? Gary or Jerry, yeah. Gary or Jerry. Um, Author of the only book that's ever been published about the case, and Professor Derek Abbott of the University of Adelaide have made particularly useful progress. Uh, They both freely admit that they've not solved the mystery, but um, they look more closely and have more information about the puzzles. So, the man's identity, this is what their theories are. Uh, The man's identity remains unknown. It is generally presumed that he was known to Justin, uh, and may as well may well have been the man who called her apartment. Uh, but even if he was not, the nurse's, nurse's shocked response when confronted with the body cast was telling. Might the solution be found in her activities during World War II? Was she the habit of pre- was she in the habit of presenting man friends with copies of the Ruby Act? And if so, might the dead man have been a former boyfriend or more? Mm. Uh, whom she did not wish to confess to knowing. Abbott's research certainly suggests as much, for he has traced Justin's identity and discovered that she had a son. Oh my gosh. Minute analysis of the surviving photos of the unknown man and Justin's child reveal intriguing similarities. Oh my gosh. Might the dead man have been the father of the son? If so, could he have killed himself 
when he told he could he have killed himself when he was told that he could not see his child Mm -hmm. those who argue against this theory point to the cause of the man's death how credible is it they say that someone would commit suicide by dosing himself with a poison of rarity digitalis or even strophanthin can be had from pharmacies but never from over the counter Mm -hmm. it's all or it's always over the counter um so it's all prescribed yeah um, both poisons are muscle relaxants that are used to treat heart disease. Mm-hmm. The apparent toxic nature of the death suggests to theorists that the unknown man was possibly a spy. Alfred Boxall had been working in intelligence during the war, and the unknown man died, after all, at the onset of the Cold War. At a time when the British rockets testing facility at Woomera, a few hundred miles from Adelaide, was one of the most secret bases in the world. It's suggested that the poison was administered to him via his tobacco. Mm. Might explain so the mystery of why <laughs> the Army Club pack containing seven Conceda cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Far-fetched as it may seem, there are two more genuinely odd things about the Tamam should uh, that point away from anything so mundane as suicide. He is the first uh, apparent possibility... They're the first apparent possibility of locating an exact duplicate of Rubiat handed to the police in 1949. Uh, they tracked down like identical versions with the same cover published by the New Zealand bookstore called Whitcomb and Tomes, but these ones were slightly different in the square format. So it's hard to find this book. Um, the puzzle, they discovered one other man had died in Australia after the war with a copy of the Kayam's poems close by him. His name was George Marshall. He was a Jewish immigrant from Singapore, and his copy of the Rubiat was published in London by Methuen, a seventh edition. Why does everyone want this book? (laughs) I don't know. It was popular. And it was also written in the 1200s. Yeah. Okay, anyway. (laughs) They They could talk about what it's like to make wheat. Yep. Anyway... (laughs) Um, so, uh, there's, of all the libraries around the world, there were never more than five editions of Methuen's Rubiat, which means that Marshall's seventh edition was also as non-existent as the unknown man's Whitcomb and Tomes appears to be. Might the books have not been books at all, but disguised as spy gear of some sort? Say, one-time code pads. Do you think the, the code was like, hey, this is like me ending my life? No, like those numbers in the back. Yeah. It was just them to do something, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it brings us to the final mystery. Going <laughs> through the police vice, uh, files on case, uh, Gary Feltis stumbled across a neglected piece of evidence, a statement given in 1959 by a man who'd seen, who had been on Somerton Beach. There, on that evening, the unknown man that had expired... He was walking near this spot, and he found his body. A witness, a police report stated, saw a man carrying another man on his shoulders near the water's edge. He could not describe the man. The one carrying or the one being carried? Both. Yeah. Um, So, there's all the theories. So, they claimed this person, this witness, was like, oh, yeah, I think I saw someone carrying someone at that time. A murdered person. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. okay that was what that was think? all the theories yeah um so i guess i have two now um i think he was a spy 
I think it could have been that he was a spy, but then like the Australian government could have been like, nothing he, to see here. He also couldn't even maybe wasn't even Australian. That's the thing, is that could have been like a, like the saying like the end was like note saying like I'm out. Um, and he could have gotten the drugs from whoever and like this is your emergency pack like use these when you're in trouble uh, or you know whatever and you're dead and so maybe at that point where he had this kid and didn't want to carry on the secret or anything like that so he was like I'm out and yeah he is white yeah so. so he is from a white nation which generally don't have any problems with Australia so yeah. why would he kill himself in Australia I don't know um, I think, and that you can also have people in other nations that are white. Yeah, yeah. and they, uh, and even, even then, they, you know, that you were from Australia. Yeah, I guess Russians. And, you know, yeah, exactly. And even then, you don't have to be Russian. You can pretend to be someone else. Double agent. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> uh Anyways, I think he was a spy, and I think that he had been poisoned. You think he got poisoned by someone else? By someone else? No, no. I think he did it himself. No, I think he was poisoned by somebody else, and he either they they were like, we want the government to know, and they slipped that Tamim shit in his pant pocket and sewed it up and then left him on the beach. Or both him and Justin were both spies, and they got the, like, she got the, like, she gave him the book, or they received the book, maybe, and, like, the book was, like, the year, like, you're, you're out, done. Kind of thing. Like you, you need to kill yourself, yeah. or else we will. <laughs> so many things. Yeah, could have been that. I my first thought was just that he killed himself, got a hold of the the stuff, and was just like, okay, well, I'm going to go enjoy myself. I think the there's beach. too many things for suicide. Yeah, especially like the decoded thing on the back. The decoded thing on the back was probably like the Secret his message. his message that says like you need to die, kind of thing. Like this is who it's from. You know, like the yeah. nation that he was serving mm-hmm. as a spy in. So then Justin, the reason why Justin never said anything was because it. she was also a spy. Yes. Yeah. So she was also a spy, but she was not, her cover wasn't blown. So she had a reaction because it was someone that she loved or her husband, who knows. And she's like, Fuck. she had kind of a reaction, but then she was like, no, I don't know. Yep. And, like, somehow got away with that. Who? Who, him? No. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, I don't love. No. <laughs> yeah. It could have been that one. That they were both spies together. Yeah. And so they didn't want any information about the case or anything like that to go out. Um, so she didn't... Because she didn't want her, her cover to be blown. And she didn't want her son to have to deal with any of that stuff. Yeah, I don't know what to think think about her. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think about her, love. <laughs> She's just a... Uh, a, a limey bird. Yeah. Because, I mean, people who were spies also had to maintain, like, Covers. normal people jobs. So she could have been a nurse and a spy at the same time. She's like, oh, I don't know. You have the flu. He's going to die. Digital poisoning. So he probably went went to go say goodbye to her or something like that. And she didn't wasn't there because she was living her other life. I don't know. She was like, nah, dog. Don't rope me into this. Don't, yeah, I'm not. You just go die. Like, you, you got your Taman should. It's time to... Don't you Taman should me. Yeah. It's your turn. You're out. That's good. I like that. That's, That's a good crazy story. Mystery. Yeah. It's crazier than mine. Mine was just dead person on a tree. Which happens, like, every day. Yeah, this is Houston. You're right. <laughs> we have no trees. We, you, 
Yes, we did. A dead, dead person in in the drainage ditch. Yeah, and then not even a drainage ditch. It's just like the little a slope lump, in the grass, the slump in the, in the side of the road. A cement bayou. Because it doesn't even drain water; it just sits there. Yeah. Ew. It's a gutter. Gutter. Mm-hmm. I'm really not. No. <laughs> no. No, that's bad. Yeah. Well, now I think I should do the follow-up topic to what I did this week with more witchcraft next week because it's also a mystery. Salem Witch Trials. No. The same. The person we talked about when I was talking. Bella? Char- Charlie Wetton or whatever his name was. Uh-huh. No, we talked about Bella, but then they linked the two cases. Yeah. Remember? Uh-huh. I'm talking about that one. That one's a mystery, too. Mm. Wow. Well, we're almost coming up on episode 40. This was episode 38 for our Spoopy podcast, not including our Rupee podcast. We've been doing this a long time. We have. Uh, it keeps prompting me to enter the season, and I feel like we should be on season two. Was, yeah, but I'm still was doing season Was winter break one. season season two? I don't know. Well, yeah, because I mean, we, so, we didn't ever stop. Maybe episode 40 will be season two. Okay. But we're still going to record every week, so what does yeah. that make any difference? Well, you can't have one season with 128 fucking episodes. Why? Because. Or we just do just at the new year in May, out. 52 episodes. Is that too many episodes in a year? 52. In a yeah, season? That's good. So then just wait until May. And we have no our celebration like and then started episode. Do what? No Sleep Podcast does like 18. No. Oh. I don't know of anyone that does 52, but. Well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it, bitch. Plus all the Rupee podcasts, which is... <laughs> so, 150 episodes yeah. per season. Enjoy, bitches! <laughs> Hope you got uh, over three days to listen to every episode. But hey, we list it whenever you want to talk about drag queens or scary stuff, so you have choices. Okay? Yeah. Mm. And we the give you the of... option. Yeah, exactly. And the great words of Tatiana, choices. Mm. Honestly. Honestly, do. So, uh, we should also talk about our favorite podcast... Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about gay stuff. stuff. They're doing some gay stuff. Oh my god, they're celebrating uh, Black History Month. They are celebrating Black yeah, History Month. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen that for the past few days that we're in February now. Um, every single day they are celebrating an LGBTQ um, black person. Yeah. Which is amazing. Because, I mean, that's that's a you know queer representation in a community that is typically Very underrepresented. Important. And um, it's good to see both, like, the intersectionality of both of those. Oh my god, look at me saying big words. I know. <laughs> it sounds so smart. There's a lot of uh, very important African Americans in LGBTQ history. LGBTQ. LGBTQ. Yeah. Um, Marsha P. Johnson. Well, yeah. She started our entire, like, life. Someone died at Stonewall. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody died at Stonewall. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody died at Stonewall? No, girl. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, the iconic Poor clip. Derek Barry. Poor Derek Barry. People died. No one died at Stonewall. <laughs> Willem just full on a bitch. Because she, she was just like sitting She's there like, with like her arms crossed. Like, no, fuck you. <laughs> nobody died at Stonewall. <laughs> and then Derek's just like. <laughs> nobody died. <laughs> Does not compute. Anyways, they've got a lot of good stuff going they on. They do. Um, also, you should like and share all of their posts as well. Get your listeners to listen. What? Get your friends they- to listen. You still doing? When is your contest up? Into February. What? Oh, contest oh, is already finished. Who won? We actually have another one going on. Oh, they have another one going on. Is it still What's the same one? 
Tag what? reframe. What happened to the reviews one? Who won? Awesome. Well, it'll be announced when oh. this comes out. So you can say. So that was for the month of January? One week. Oh, wow. Anyways, that congratulations gives no to... no time to write their opinions. Congratulations to Leslie, the winner of the Let's Talk About Gay Stuff podcast. That's no. why Bucks giveaway. Chelsea. Christine. Brian. Justin. Justin. <laughs> huh? Is this Bob Yeah. Well, apparently they have a new contest that's going to be announced on Sunday's podcast, where you can go on their post and tag this three friends. This week's podcast, where the, you can tag three friends. And yeah, entered. this the episode that comes out the same time that I'm telling you about this episode right now. <laughs> so head on over. And tag three friends and get friends involved. I'm going to do it so I can win a t-shirt. <laughs> you already have... Do you have I two? Know. No, I only have one. You have two? <laughs> yeah. I think I have three. <laughs> Anyways. Um, we should tell yeah. people to... we got to talk about ourselves, too. About what? Follow us on Instagram. At oh, my God. Let's we haven't about... been plugging ourselves very much. I know. Um, our I figured podcast... they're already here to, to listen to us. They probably already have Well, yeah, but they can about. go like all our pictures on Instagram. Yeah, the That's ones that we spoopy. post like once every two weeks. <laughs> Your job is Instagram. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the emails. Yeah? How's that going for you? I get lots. Lots of I fan mail. respond to them. Yeah, and don't ever send them to me, obviously. Why would I show you? Because they're about me, too. Oh, 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 great. Okay. Oh, I didn't know they were about you. That means that they only zero. say things nice about me. Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. We love Spencer. Chris sucks. No, they just like, you guys are so great and, and awesome. And I'm like, obviously, for me only. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is a wonderful <laughs> voice to listen to. Oh, me? <laughs> Nobody says anything specific about you. Yeah, no. They're just saying, what is, what is that noise? Who are these two queens cackling in the microphone? What is that? Can you guys stop screaming? <laughs> Screeching. Wait. Witch cackle. <laughs> um, yeah. So tell them about our social media. Okay. Well, you can follow us on Facebook at uh, rspoop. You can follow us on Twitter at rspoopy. And you can follow us on Instagram at rspoopypodcast. Uh, you can also go to www.rspoopypodcast.com. Um, and you also can drop us a line if you want to. Oh, I don't like the email. word drop a line. Please uh, write a lovely letter. Oh my God, Valentine's can... Day is coming up. Someone send me a Valentine. Send me a Valentine to rspbpodcast at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, that's a good place. Okay. Okay. So now we're allowed to tell people to get, get spoopy, spoopy with it. it.